right, welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute. This is episode 13 of the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5 com. And joining us once again for Special Minute 13, our special guest from the Alphabetical podcast, Alex Robinson. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us once again. Oh, it's uh, I wouldn't miss it for the world. All right. So we are on to minute number 13. Minute 13 of This Is Spinal Tap begins with the big bottom finale. The end of that song, it ends with an exterior at the Recording Industry Convention in Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. And in between, we get the end of the song, we get a little bit more of the interview with the band at Nigel's Castle, and we hear about uh, some reviews of previous Spinal Tap albums. This minute starts with Nigel getting a bit of a spanking from <laughs> Derek and David with the uh, the heads of their bass guitars. And he's, uh, you know, he's shaking what he's got, Nigel. He's giving us some little a little fanny shake <laughs> at the end there. I wonder if that was um, like how long it took them to come up with that kind of choreography. It was just something that originally was just like a spontaneous thing. And then it evolved so that they were both paddling him at the same time or, or uh, <laughs> be curious to see the earliest version of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that just coming up because he would think, um, you know, Nigel would turn around and, and, and shake his big bottom at the, at the audience. And when he does that, it's obvious, Oh, you see a butt. You want to spank it. I imagine David would have been the first to, to move over and, and do the spanking motion. And then Derek, seeing David do it, thought, well, there's two sides to the butt. So mm-hmm. we, we don't want to neglect one cheek over the other. So we give him a, a double spanking. And you get a bit of a view of the, the, the stage behind them. There's not a lot going on. So, so one thing we didn't get in contrast to the first performance we saw in New York here in Philadelphia, I don't think they get the big skull hanging mm. over the stage. It's pretty bare. They've got a lot of lights, and then there's a lot of amplifiers. We see a lot of Marshall amps on stage, and that's it. It's, it's you know, the drums, the keyboard, our three front men with their bass guitars, and just amplifiers. Right. No pyrotechnics this time either. No, they're, they're keeping it simple. Yeah, it's possible ahead, that this is uh, like maybe the skull comes out later for a big reveal. You know, they mm. maybe they start off simply, and then you know you don't want to uh, you don't want to come out necessarily guns a blazing. You might want to save some of your uh, you know your big moments for later on. So uh, I'm hoping those Philly fans got their money's worth. I would hate to think that they uh, <laughs> felt uh, that they got ripped off. Yeah, and then we go into the back here to the interview section and we get a little bit better look at the whole band's outfits. We've kind of spoken quite a bit about our main trio, but we get to see that um, Mick Shrimpton has one of those satin jackets. I remember, I remember actually more in the seventies that the satin jacket was quite a, quite a look, but a lot of my girlfriends, that was something that they coveted the, especially that hot pink. Well, it's another grease, yeah. another grease tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> the pink lady. A little pink lady action going on here. Mick is, is surprising because on stage, he's 
he's just the t-shirt and jeans guy compared to the you know the silk that David's wearing or or what's going on with with Derek. He's very simple on stage, Mick is. But then off stage, we we we've seen it. We see it here in the interview. We saw it at the the kickoff, the launch party at the start of the tour. That he's got a little bit of a little bit of flair, some style going on, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm not sure what what's going on with with Viv. It's um, like a brocade, something or other. Looks pretty detailed. Yeah, I mean, it's got a a I think a Spanish flair to it in his jacket. Yeah, it's and like all- he's traveled around the world and he just keeps kind of picking up <laughs> something from his travels and mm-hmm. adding on. Yeah. Around the world and elsewhere. Around yes. The world and elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> around the world and elsewhere. This is one of my favorite um, bits in the movie. Obviously, there's a lot of great scenes in the movie, but this one, because uh, not only is it very funny, but you also learn, you know, you really get a kind of a broad stroke kind of uh, history of the band and where they stand, you know, sort of in the eyes of the critical uh, public. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, know, you can see a lot of album covers and you get to learn that some of the reviews have been, you know, are unfairly harsh. Yeah, and what I noticed is every time I watched this particular minute, I never didn't laugh. Like I, every time <laughs> they they show uh, Intervenus de Milo on and say Intervenus de Milo, I laugh and say this is ridiculous. <laughs> so it never gets old. And also, it's um, I didn't notice until watching this over and over again that each record, as they're revealed, yeah. is on a different background (laughs) (laughs) i had the same note that i also had not noticed before each album cover and it's it goes from intravenous to milo is on grass then it's it's not only on grass it's like astroturf don't you think it's like fake it looks like fake grass i think i don't yeah i it i i thought it might be real Maybe. But I, I could be convinced either way. I'm not gonna argue with you. But yeah, just but it's on a green, grassy background. It might be it might be carpet, it might be astroturf. But then the the gospel, according to Spinal Tap, or um also known as rock and roll creation, is it like purple velvet? Yeah. It's um yeah, like crushed or not crushed, just yeah. purple velvet, you're right. I guess or it's like, wrinkled just yeah, wrinkled purple wrinkled. velvet. <laughs> I understand. It's kinda Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's kind of shimmery. I couldn't decide if it was just wrinkled silk or if it's like crushed velvet. But yeah, I guess they're classing it up because it's uh, it's religious. I understand the gospel according to Spinal Tap was a was the working title of it. Mm-hmm. And then when they, they when it was released, it was called uh, Rock and Roll Creation. I guess the, right. maybe the gospel according to Spinal Tap was a little too, uh, you know... Wordy. Hot button for a for oh, a uh, yeah. for you know they necessarily didn't want to anger the religious uh, a little folks. too we're we're bigger than God yeah. possibly yeah. situation possibly. when you were talking about laughing uh, before but it's my understanding that uh, when they filmed this scene they uh, you know Michael McKeon and uh, Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer did not know what they didn't know what Rob Reiner was going to be reading them. So you see them starting to laugh on screen and that's genuine laughter because they, that's the first yeah. time they're hearing yeah. all of these yeah. jokes. It's, I think I, that's really funny. Yeah, I do too. I think especially after shit sandwich, <laughs> shit that sandwich. Really, they have that kind of that inner looking at each other, laughing. Michael McKean's like behind his hand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christopher Guess is is looking down, and 
Harry's kind of mulling his pipe over. Um, yeah, we, we and we've alluded to that in earlier minutes, but uh, yeah, part of the nature of the improvisational style of the movie is uh, sometimes these guys get each other, and they're they're great lines, and and it kind of fits in with the the movie as well to think that these aren't necessarily the best read people around. So if we're talking about reviews and e- even the rock and roll or, or musical press, these guys aren't reading Rolling Stone and magazines and so forth. So I buy it. I, I think it's believable that they wouldn't have heard these reviews before. And they have people around them like Ian who are going to protect them, who aren't going to let them, aren't, wouldn't want these negative reviews to hurt their ego and would protect them from these kind of things. So it it it's funny to observe as they're making it that these guys are kind of cracking up at the jokes, but then it still fits perfectly in with the movie that these are funny things that these guys are really hearing for the first time, that the characters, that David, Nigel, and Derek would laugh at these things as well as Christopher, Michael, and Harry are laughing at them. So it gets, I was uh, just going to say, so it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't take me out of the movie that they're laughing. Uh, I think Nigel seems generally, except for the shit sandwich one, I think Nigel actually seems very uh, somewhat hurt by these. Re- he seems genuinely <laughs> yeah. troubled by the bad reviews. Yeah. yeah. It's also possible that they just, because I am a, um, in addition to being a podcaster myself, I am a uh, cartoonist who, who does books and I do not read reviews of, I don't read reviews of the podcast and if there are any, and I don't read reviews of my books. So maybe they're just a similar thing where they don't want to, uh, they want to let critics kind of uh, impact their uh, creative process. So yeah. my, my heart's with them. Yes, mine too, mine too. But they do, yeah, they do look um, rather introspective and sort of like they're just letting it kind of soak in and hopefully they can just let it wash over them and not affect them too much. Uh, If I had to have, you know, and to quote Nigel uh, about nitpicking, but of course, when you go minute by minute, that's what you're it's kind of implied in your mandate uh, if I had one minor criticism it would of the the sequence it would be that I don't think other than rock and roll creation I don't think the albums look like real album covers mm-hmm. they're very they're not like I don't know I lost track of when these are supposed to have come out but they don't look like albums that would have come out generally in the 70s they look very uh, I don't know they're very simple and so um uh, anyway, that that would be one minor criticism is is that the the albums don't look as authentic. Considering what a ripe for parody, they're basically just illustrations of their funny titles as opposed to right. looking like what I think it was kind of a uh, missed opportunity to really parody what albums of the seventies you know uh, could have looked like or would have looked like. So uh, right, yeah, that's an interesting point. So in- Intravenous De Milo uh, came out in seventy uh, four. Rock and Roll Creation uh, was out in 77, and Shark Sandwich is 1980. So that's, and that's their most recent release prior to Smell the Glove. Yeah. Shark Sandwich, that I could see maybe coming out in 1980, that kind of cartoony, yeah. cartoony uh, mm-hmm. look. I mean, obviously, they're, they, they, uh, you know, they only have so much energy and budget to devote to certain things. So maybe these mm-hmm. little quick throwaway gags weren't really worth the effort of someone coming up with multiple designs and having to pick one and, and execute it and so on. But it's still very funny. And obviously it works as a joke. So that's really the only thing that kind of matters. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the gray, the gray carpet that they laid the album 
on the shark sandwich album matches matches the shark fins perfectly so Hmm. marty's marty and his team are doing their job as far as design and right aesthetic are going as far as just putting an album cover on the floor and and taking a picture of it yeah they're they're doing their job I think somebody went out and found a perfect carpe- carpet sample, matched it to those fins. That's my that's my guess. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Or they had the carpet already, and then they met, they drew it to match the you know. <laughs> the tail the dog kind of thing. But yeah, I do think that this minute is so rewatchable and so quotable, and I love it so much. That's nothing too um profound that i'm saying there but just just that it was i loved i so far there have been no minutes here where i'm like oh i gotta watch this again but this one was especially enjoyable mm-hmm. oh yes i can i can watch these again and again and i think they do good justice in the writing to rock and roll journalism i think some of you know what we hear of these reviews is is pretty creative that i think any any actual rock and roll journalist would be proud to come up with with something as witty as what day did the Lord create Spinal Tap? And couldn't he have rested on that day, too? <laughs> um, I think that's more clever than than most album reviews that I've read. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, well, beyond that juicy part of this minute, we just start right here at the end. We get to Atlanta, Georgia and the Recording Industry Convention. And I think my husband pointed out, and maybe, Sean, you did research on this. I didn't, actually. I just took it for took him for what he said is that that hotel that they show is where they currently um hold dragon con so it really isn't atlanta (laughs) Atlanta. yeah or at least this exterior shot might be of that yeah maybe whether they actually went there or not but and i'm i'm wondering guys i know there's who and what we're gonna meet some of these people in the next minute but who is it that goes this is my question that goes to recording industry conventions like who is it who are who's the audience or who's populating us who's buying a ticket and coming in well i imagine it's probably more of a it's like a uh like a trade show you know there's mm-hmm. probably like distributors there and talent people and agents and you know anyone who who would hobnob at a at a you know i don't i don't imagine it's something that the general public would you know would, would go to but uh right but you've got so. um you know D- djs people you know or people yep. that uh kind of select music for radio stations or the buyers that are kind of deciding what things are going into the record stores. This is where they can go and meet with representatives of the record companies to kind of plan out. And this seems a little bit late, not that I kind of operate in any retail industry at that level, but I imagine that that they'd like to plan those things a season ahead. You know, kind of like the the summer fashions aren't things that the stores decide to buy in June, you know, they've made those decisions way back November, December, the previous year. Right. Um, so if, if, if record stores are trying to plan their inventory and plan, you know, what's the big seller? What, what do I need? Uh, you know, what's going to be in the window? They probably want to know that further in advance, whereas the guys are there are, are pumping a record, which should have already been out at this point. There's some issues with the cover, but uh, it's, it's you know, the release is imminent. So for a chain, you know, especially a larger chain like a Sears or a Kmart to kind of plan on how many units are they going to buy and how much space are they going to devote in the store? 
to a particular thing. If if this is a record that's going to be out in the next days or weeks, uh, maybe a little bit late to uh, to be making those decisions. But uh, I imagine that's the kind of talk and that that's the kind of thing that goes on at the uh, recording industry convention. Or at well, least the part be- that we see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's emblematic of the trouble that the that they were having. Is that you're right? All this stuff should have been resolved by now, and and so on. And uh, but you know, because of their gross mismanagement, uh, I mean, we also don't see any other rock and roll people at uh, performers at this mm-hmm. event. So we don't right. know if if that just shows how pathetic they've become that they have to go and press the flesh with uh, regular people to kind of get them to buy their stuff, or uh, or if there are you know if you're uh, you know, Duke Fame or other performers maybe are at the also at this event. Yeah, yeah we, don't we just know. get a little we get a little capsule, just a little capsule of this yeah. this convention. Just yeah, I mean, it. there may be other suites and other rooms where there are engineers talking about the latest soundboards and monitors and that kind of stuff. That maybe there's a, a side of it that's more technical on the you know the the science of of recording. But we're with the band, so we're on the. They're in the marketing stage of their album life, so we're seeing the marketing side. We see them talking with, uh, well, I guess I think DJs and stuff, or, well, or a promoter. Be, yeah, but I was going to say I have some questions minute. about that at, at our next minute. Yeah, I do want to say I did do a little bit of research on at least the exterior shot that we're getting of the recording industry convention, and this is not. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Well, <laughs> then it's not where they hold Dragon Con. <laughs> no. Unless, the, unless Dragon Con is at the Western, Western Bonaventure Hotel on South, Figaro, South Figueroa in LA. Mm. Um, and this is actually, you may know this hotel from, other, from such movies as True Lies, Rain Man, Strange Days, Blue Thunder, uh, Mission Impossible 3. This is actually, uh, you know, this this hotel gets around. This hotel, both interiors and exteriors, were uh, featured in uh, Buck Rogers in mm. the 25th century in okay. the, the television series. Okay. Um, so it's pretty iconic. I don't know if we quite get it in this minute. Maybe have to wait for the beginning of our minute tomorrow where it pans up and you see the exterior. Um, it's a pretty iconic glass, cylindrical glass uh, spires going up. So yeah, this is uh this is a uh, this this film or sorry, this building if it was in IMDb would have a longer resume than a lot of the actors in the movie. That, gotcha. that this building has gotten around. <laughs> someone should do that. Cool. Someone should put together a uh, I'm, I'm sure someone probably has a, a listing of like you know buildings that have been reused over and over again in uh, in various movies. That'd be a fun uh, fun website. Someone put that together. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's a hotel that's um, in um, Burbank that I've stayed at called the, oh my gosh, what's it called? The Safari Inn, I think. And it's um, one where a lot of movies have been filmed, and that's part of how they market it. But it's a, it's like a kind of a classic, mo- very moderately priced motel, but it has really great um, neon signage, and um, they've filmed a few movies there. And it's that's one of the reasons I stayed there, that besides... Besides the pool and the neon. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, anything else about Minute uh, 13 before we get into, um, we're going to get into this recording industry convention in our next minute. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. say let's let's get to it. Okay, let's, cool. Uh, 
I think we've done minute 13 justice. I think you're right. Uh, okay, so, well, that's it for episode 13, minute 13, Spinal Tap Minute. Let's see. I want to remind everybody that they can find us at SpinalTapMinute.com. And yes, you can, you know, find the subscription button and find out how to download the future episodes. But also, if you decide to follow and hang out with us in the social zone, like Twitter and Instagram, those are at SpinalTapMinute at Twitter and at Instagram. And, uh, I like to kind of interact with people over on those. So if you're if you're on Twitter and Instagram and you're interacting with us, that's going to be me in most cases, unless Sean breaks into my <laughs> <laughs> into my um, passwords and figures mm-hmm. out how to get on there. Then you'll be talking with me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of interactions, uh, you can also leave us a message at our spinal ta- spinal tap minute line. Give us a call at 419-TAP-TAP-6. That's 419-827-8276. Leave us your feedback on the show or your own little uh, Spinal Tap moment or Spinal Tap experiences. And if uh, we like your story or question, it might be featured on a future episode. And Alex Robinson. Yes. If folks want to find you, are you out there on the interwebs? My website is Comic Book Alex. That's where you can find that's my the central hub where you can get to my Twitter page, my Facebook stuff, my various podcasts, my uh, Amway distributorship, the <laughs> everything I got going on. You can get it there. ComicBookAlex.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. So wrapping it up for minute thirteen. Until next time, and so say all of us. Tap into into America. America. That was almost.